Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, and welcome to the Boss Up Podcast, episode 284. Today, I am excited to get into the politics, really, of pay negotiation, salary negotiation, gender, and money with the one and only Claire Wasserman, the founder of Ladies Get Paid. And I'm especially excited for y'all to dig into this episode because Claire is brilliant and awesome and shares so much wisdom with y'all. And Claire and I disagree. And I think it's just a good example of two women who respect each other openly disagreeing on a podcast, which like how often do you hear that in life in general, much less on the record on a podcast. So I'm excited to dig in if you're curious about differing philosophies on negotiation. Settle in, listeners, because we're about to go for a women and negotiation ride together. Now, to give you a, a preface here, Claire is an educator, speaker, writer, podcaster, and community builder focused on helping women thrive at work. She was named one of Entrepreneur Magazine's 100 Most Powerful Women, as well as Bumble's 100 Most Inspiring New Yorkers. Claire has spoken at Facebook, the United Nations Foundation, Watermark, the New York Times, among others. And prior to founding Ladies Get Paid, Claire was the director of marketing at Working Not Working, a curated network of creative professionals. And she just finished writing a new book all about how women can negotiate for pay and power, aptly titled Ladies Get Paid, which is coming out on January 12. So if you are gearing up for an end of year review and you're going to ask for more or you're on the job hunt or one of your New Year's resolutions is to get on the job hunt and you are anticipating having to negotiate a new job offer soon, today's podcast is definitely for you. Now, if you haven't negotiated in a while or don't anticipating needing to negotiate anytime soon, this episode is also for you because Negotiating on your own behalf in our even daily actions, daily conversations, daily interactions, advocating on your own behalf is a form of advocating on behalf of all of us, especially women and marginalized folks. So I am so delighted to be joined by Claire Wasserman for today's very special Bossed Up podcast. Claire, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much. So tell us a little bit about your story and how you came to found Ladies Get Paid and and what brought you to the topic of negotiation as your forte. You know, long story short, I did not really consider myself a feminist up until maybe like five years ago, wow. uh, only because I had a complete and utter misunderstanding of what feminism actually means. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until I had this like really obvious uh, sexist experience happened to me. And the reason I say obvious is because, you know, there's things that we experience daily that don't feel good. Uh, you know, we know something's not quite right with it. There's a, a strange sort of gender power dynamic, but we're not going to point fingers, mm. right? Because we're the good girl. And and that had been much of my career. But 
you know, the experience I had that really was the catalyst for, for you know, for all of this is I was at an advertising festival uh, and it was quite fancy. It was in the south of France and really excited. I, I was there to, to drum up business for my previous company. I walk into a party. Uh, this older guy comes up to me, smiling, sticks out his hand and says, you know, quite innocently, he says, whose wife are you? Wow. <laughs> and I'm so glad he did that. I'm so glad he did that because, man, for the rest of the week at this festival, my eyes were open to all of the dynamics that had always made me feel uncomfortable in my career, but I was seeing how gender was a part of this mm. in a way that I had never quite understood before. And when the whole festival was done, when the week was done, I just felt terrible uh, because, again, the whole thing you know, I needed their business, right. but they were in positions of power, right? Like they were the CEOs, they were the director of marketing or whatever it was. And you kind of just have to grin and bear it. Mm. And and I wrote this essay when I came home, a kind of dear diary of, you know, what I experienced. But really more interestingly, it was how am I internalizing this? Because a lot of the experience I had was really me wondering how I was contributing to those uncomfortable gender power dynamics. If somebody, you know, said I was hot, right, while I was pitching business, mm. you know, was it because I, you know, had a short skirt or smiled or, you know, all of these things that women often do, right? We we first self-examine, which is great, right? We want to be introspective, mm. uh, but then we self-blame. Right. And I emailed it to a couple of friends and I was like, I'm wondering if I should publish this. I don't know. I might lose jobs. What do you think? And they said, you know what? Totally up to you, but I got to tell you, this sounds like me. This sounds like experiences I've had in my career. Do you mind if I share it with some of my friends? Mm. I said, sure. And then those friends wrote me back telling me their stories. And this little essay I wrote kind of went viral in my inbox. And it's what showed me that all of these things that I had been kind of silently dealing with, yeah. sometimes with with shame, you know, had not talked about it with anybody, it looks like it was pretty universal. And that is when I began to Google words like <laughs> women, workplace, equality, wage gap. I mean, I knew nothing. And again, you know, everybody listening now, they might be thinking, well, you know, Claire, were you under a rock? How do you not know these things? Listen, five years ago, People really weren't talking about this stuff yeah. uh, in a kind of mainstream way. I mean, now you go to Refinery29, that's like all of the articles. Uh, but at the time, you know, I was Googling, you know, Bureau of Labor Statistics right. or, to discover like what is the wage gap. And it was discovering that the wage gap for Hispanic women are is 55 cents to the dollar. Mm -hmm. That was what woke me up because, you know – I'd always known sort of that like 78 to 80 cents in the dollar, right? Like I, I knew that women maybe weren't equal to men, but, you know, we're getting there. Man, that is not true depending on where you live, the color of your skin, your ethnicity, if you're totally. single or not, right? And again, people are aware of this now, but at the time, I cannot stress this enough. I felt like I was discovering this for the first time and I did not know what to do. And I feel like it's important to mention that there are people who still live in that world, right? Like there even though feminism and and activism has gone mainstream i i think it's important to note that not everyone has had their feminist revolution just yet and some folks never will because in america especially capitalist america of which i am very much a part of and i know you are too we have to believe that our individual merit is what 
determines our outcomes. Like there is this ingrained psychology of the meritocracy that we cling to. Mm -hmm. And none of us like being told that your gender or your race or your sexual orientation or your gender identity are going to predetermine your life's outcomes. That's not empowering. So I think there's a reality there that's worth mentioning, which is that we don't like, we resist this kind of stuff sometimes because we don't want to become a statistic. We don't want to be defined by our gender. And yet we're up against these systemic realities that if we deny, then we can't begin to untangle, right? Wow. You could not have said it better. I also think, you know, looking back at how I was raised, it, it really was, you can be whatever you want to be. I mean, <laughs> yeah. speaking of capitalism, I mean, that's very American. It's very true. American. Yeah. You can, you know, your your success is only limited by, you know, how big you can dream and, <laughs> yes. you know, don't let anything hold you back. And that's great. I mean, let's think about, you know, my mother's generation. She was the third class of women in college, okay? Women her age and older were not necessarily told you can be whatever you want to be. Um, you Progress. know, and, and so it's, yeah. <laughs> it's right, right. So it's it's lovely that I was told I could be whatever I wanted to be, but then you wonder when you're not getting the promotion mm -hmm. or the raise or you're entering into an industry where you don't see people who look like you in leadership, again, that internalization, that self-judgment, something must be wrong with right. me. It, I must not be good enough right. or smart enough or competent enough. And this is why people, you know, all people, but particularly women, feel imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the the cliche of you can't be what you can't see. Yeah. I mean, forget meritocracy. Like there are just faces and and when you look at those faces and everybody now, when you're looking at certain companies and their LinkedIn page, I mean, please take a look at what, you know, what does the C-suite look like? How long are people staying at that company? Who's moving up? Right. You know, what, what's the kind of profile of person? And before you say it must be me, just acknowledge that there is a larger system right. uh, and that you can actually do something about it. So that really was the the challenge I gave myself in creating Ladies Get Paid was as individuals, what's the first step you can do to self-empower? Right. Then acknowledging that we're operating within a system that was not made for us despite progress those statistics still exist out there. All right, well, how can you change your company, mm -hmm. right? And small steps, small steps. You know, how do you get your company to, to realize that implementing things like paid family leave actually supports everybody? It, it protects uh, retention and helps with morale, et cetera. Which we just passed, by the way, here in Colorado. We became the first state to pass it via ballot initiative this November, which is- I mean, your state, your state has been leading the way in so many different ways. This has, again, become a lot more mainstream. People now realize that by getting civically engaged, they can make a difference, right? right? Whether they're running for office or, you know, tweeting. The point being, with Ladies Get Paid, that's sort of the ultimate thing we would like women to do if they so choose. How do you make a difference in a really macro sense? Now, this should not be on the underpaid and overexhausted, right? I, I wish that it, you know, there were other people joining us. Right. Uh, and of course, we have to activate the male allies. But I'm not going to sit here and wait until somebody passes paid family leave. Like, you have to do something. And so hopefully with Ladies Get Paid, you know, by giving people the education uh, and most importantly, I think the support of our community, they realize they're not alone you know, and at least they have people that they can commiserate with, if nothing else. Definitely. I just love the story of the agitation and activation of Claire Wasserman. It's a great one. So I think a lot of women can see themselves in your story, which is before you get even, you got to get mad, right? <laughs> and so yes. if we're not mad yet, like there are reasons to be mad. Talk to us about the wage gaps 
women are encountering and what you've what you've come to learn about them and and maybe then we'll start talking about the need to negotiate. But where are we when it comes to the gender wage gap? You know, listen, progress is not linear. So just because we've made some progress doesn't mean that it will continue to sort of march forward, especially during the pandemic. Mm. I don't remember the statistic, but I think it's like 600,000 women have dropped out of the workforce compared to like 75,000 men. Um, I think this is largely because of kids, right? Mm. You're homeschooling your kid now and like you know, who homeschools kids, right? Well, the caretaker of the family, who tends to be the caretaker, women, you know, and, and it's a little bit more complicated than that. But I'm not confident things are getting better. Here's the thing about the wage gap. The wage gap happens because oftentimes because of the department that you're in. Okay. So within a company, certain departments make less money than other departments. And the people who tend to make less money, and I'm going to be talking about like marketing or HR, Mm -hmm. oftentimes that's where women are. It's called occupational segregation. So a lot of the wage gap comes down to that. And then there's you just compare two people with the same skill level and uh, years of experience and and job. And there is a discrepancy, though it's actually quite small. Right. So what you're saying is after you control for seniority and department, there still is some wage gap that we can't really pinpoint why it's happening other than maybe just straight up discrimination. Right, right. And, and and of course, then there's, you know, wage gaps between industries. Certain industries make more than other industries. Then you've got industries like, you know, construction, which is 98% men, you know, and oftentimes actually there's a lot of industries that are really lopsided. So this is why at Ladies Get Paid, we are obsessed with women rising up at work, okay? Because Otherwise, we just accept it. We go, okay, well, you're in this department, you know, and you're lower middle management and you never get above. Well, then there is going to be a wage gap. Right, right. The leadership gap is sort of what you're alluding to as well, that it's hard to just get that first promotion. Exactly. And I think that's where a lot of the focus should be. Of course, from a policy standpoint, you know, holding companies accountable. Mm -hmm. But how do you make sure that the companies are being transparent about their compensation structure? Yeah. And that's, I think, something that we as women, as employees, we we should be asking, not just like, why are you paying me this? I deserve more. No, it's also, can you give me a better understanding of how you even determine pay here Uh, and and what is negotiable beyond money too? Um, So that's where, and I know we're going to talk about that today, but there's just lack of dialogue and it feels so icky you know, to talk about this stuff. And so lopsided. Yeah. I've been getting into reels on Instagram lately, and I can't help but talk a lot about negotiation on there. And I I forget how often people ask me, well, why should we put the onus on companies to name their salary? Just from like a baseline perspective, why shouldn't we say, here's what I'm willing to work for? Like that's where we're starting from is we have become conditioned to not expect companies to even list salary ranges way too comfortable when in fact, if we want companies to help be a part of the solution to historic wage inequality, whether it's people of color or gender or whatever kind of discrimination, like tell us what you're what you're calculating salary by. Tell us what this position pays. And so I want to dive into how to navigate this from the employer, employee rather, perspective. In addition to, to my favorite, which is 
just denying flatly, <laughs> which we can talk more about. You've got some alternatives for anchoring high. Tell me more about how you would recommend and what your favorite responses are to that mid-interview salary question. Sure, sure. So I think a lot of negotiation literature out there is about how you should never be the first one to say the amount, right? And you then end up playing this like weird game of chicken. It's like, well, what are you compensating? Well, what do you want, right? Just say the range that you've seen, okay? It's about market research. Mm -hmm. It's not – now, listen, you go, I've seen between X and Y, you know, my position – with contextualized, by the way, you know, the location of the company, the size of the company, obviously your years of experience or any skills, you know, additional skills that you have. And then you say, because I'm a top, I believe, you know, I'm a top performer, I, I love to ask for that top dollar. But I understand that there are budgetary constraints. So can I learn a little bit more about the role? Or I'm sure we can figure out something together, but I'm going to need to better understand, you know, how you're structuring comp. And so you're using words like together, we, I'm sure, you know, already like looking at this as a sort of foregone conclusion. I'm sure we're going to figure this out together. You're citing your market research, right? So you're letting them know that you did your research. And you're also signaling that you are negotiable, right? X and Y. But you're also being assertive and saying you will be asking for top dollar. Mm. And it's because you're the top performer, which means you got to back that up. Right. You have to be able to demonstrate that you are a top performer. Of course, we can get more in- into yeah. how you do that. Um, but I think making this more about the market research and less about your, quote, demands opens this up for a larger conversation um, so that they don't feel like you, you know, this is what you're asking for and you won't budge. Unless, of course, you won't budge and you are telling them your bottom line. But just know that if that's the case, you may not get to the next step. And I think, you know, especially if it's mid-interview, your whole goal is to get to the next interview. Of course, your ultimate goal is to get the job, but no, no, no. We're talking about just getting to the next interview. Or if you've applied online, just getting the first interview. So each, you know, it's almost like each level, you can like sort of tailor a little bit what you're asking for or sort of how you're asking for Mm. it. But yeah, signal that this is a larger conversation to have. And we, we disagree on that a little bit in that I am so here for the awkward ping pong convo that you just described. I like <laughs> live for it. And I have gotten to the point where I've had that conversation so many times. I like lavish it. Like I just love the let me ask you a question to answer your question and tell me what you'll tell me and then I'll tell you what I'll tell you. You know what I mean? So it just, it definitely it, there's a lot of options is a good thing for my listeners to keep in mind. Yes. Yes. I think people, I mean, when people come to me, they want this like hard and fast rule. And and what I say to them is this has to be based on your relationship to the other person. Um, Also your comfort level. I mean, yes, I want you to push outside of your comfort level, but no, becoming another person or acting like a man, like that's not true to you. So it's interesting. Yeah. And I think actually I'm sort of speaking from my own experience of not necessarily like wanting to play that ping pong game. I think it's because in the past when people have given me low numbers, it demoralizes me. Mm. And And so I think I'm trying to sort of avoid that instant reaction of, oh, am I, you know, now can I ask for something higher? Like it feels weird to me to then try to get them up versus me at least stating, here's what I've at least read. And by the way, for everybody listening who's a freelancer or in a position, maybe like you and me, where, you know, we charge for for speaking uh, or or teaching workshops, a little uh, tip that I have and, you know, it was a secret, but now I'm sharing it with you. I say that this is my rate usually. So I will say a high number. 
but I'd love to hear about your budget. I'm sure we can figure something out, mm. right? So it's the same kind of structure, but I'm not giving them a range. Right, right. Um, which again, if you're going to negotiate for a full-time job, you absolutely could say the high amount that you've totally. read in market research. You don't have to give the range. And I think it's all about continuing the conversation, like you're saying, and having a collaborative tone. To share just a quick story that you reminded me of, I recently got corporation, large, large science company Technically, I guess they're a nonprofit, but massive 25-person executive board, international tech kind of company, booked a call through my website to talk to me about speaking. And we had a call scheduled for later in the week, the morning of. I get an email from the person who was scheduled to talk with me who said, hey, by the way, we don't ever pay our speakers Is that an issue? (laughs) So even before hopping on a call with me that definitely asks them to name their budget in the form to even get to the call, she says, our budget is zero. And of course, in my head, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what a waste of my time. Like, are you serious right now? And I felt very disrespected. But in my response, which is not necessarily exactly how I'm feeling because I have a little bit of emotional management, I like to think, I wrote back and said, hey, I do this for a living. But let's talk about it. Like, let's talk about it. You know, I'm always willing to find options that work for every budget. And we hopped on the call and we talked through what our goals were and tell me more about the company. And I said, listen, this sounds great. I think I could be a perfect fit for your audience based on my experience. Here's what I'd bring to the table. And this is my rates because she had basically started the conversation at anchoring at zero. So I said, let me tell you, this is my rate. It's mm-hmm. many thousands of dollars. And she said, she laughed, like literally laughed out loud, Claire. You'll love that, right? And I said, I'll get you a proposal because it's pretty easy for us to make those. And you tell me what folks say. You know, take it take it up the flagpole and tell me what, what they get. And then I got an email from her after I sent this proposal that said, why is this so expensive? And I was like, wow, I can't even answer that. I had my marketing director like take that one for me because I was not in a state to answer another question like that via email. But I think it was something like based on our experience, based on our, you know, happy clients, here's why. And then they said, okay. And they paid in full up front. And that was like, that was just who the hell knew that was going to happen unless we kept the convo going. So it's just like, I really try, like you're saying, you got to tell them your rates at some point as a freelancer. That's different than an employee. But man, people will keep you on the on the hook for a little while. Well, here's the thing that I actually really respect about what they did. They told you before you got on the call. True. So they didn't True. waste your time. They at least gave you, you know, the up. option of if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. And and that's, you know, having gone on calls with people and then they tell me that they don't pay, you know, I we don't do that anymore right. over here. Um, and it is wild when people come and they say, I have no budget. Listen, everybody's got 50 bucks, 100 right. bucks. Just something to signal respect. that you appreciate. Yeah, and, and the value of – I mean, because listen, this is how we make our living. Right. Also, if you were to ask me to freelance illustrate something for you, you know, you would pay me, right? Because right? I'm bringing value to the organization. So me coming to teach, right? Like if you value this, then you would pay for right. it. And so I feel almost like I'm sort of training people to do the right thing here. Again, even just saying some money. Just you got to come up with like just some money. And I do talk to other women who like us also make their living in in this way. And I say, if we keep accepting nothing, then we are again demonstrating to people that this is what they can do. And it's a race to the bottom. Oh my gosh. Same thing with anybody who's a full timer. You you know, when you underprice yourself, you are 
underpricing all of us. Yeah. You know, that's that, and also you're not helping to close the statistics here. So please, please price at least what is commensurate with the market value. Okay. So you've done your market research, you go in, you handle the mid-interview salary question as gracefully as possible, knowing that it can be awkward, knowing that it can be challenging. You get through to the next round, they give you an offer. What do you do then? Well, first of all, let, let's imagine you don't like the offer, right? Sure. They're lowballing yeah. you. Again, go back to the market research. I was hoping for something close to this, given the research that I did. And by the way, the research that you do, please do as much research as possible and not all of it online. Mm. Talk to real people, and I can have a whole conversation about how to do yes. that. The point being is, A, you'll feel more secure in, in talking about the market value, and B, you could maybe even discuss with them, hey, I talked about this with X, Y, and Z people. I've had conversations with recruiters, right? So it's not just I looked up on Glassdoor because then they can immediately say, oh, well, that's not relevant, right? I was hoping we could get something closer to this. Mm. Um, and and if they say we really can't do that, then let's talk about full compensation, okay? Which, by the way, you know, these are things that bring you value but either cost nothing yeah. or, or just a little bit for the company. Have that in mind already. What will you be asking for? Prioritize it. And then if there are things that you want that you have a feeling they might say no to, uh, already – anticipate it, how will you proactively address it? So for example, career development, I think that's one of the best things that you can get, getting them to pay for our video library, ladiesgetpaid.com slash institute, okay? You know, continuing education, totally. you know, conferences, your book, my book, right? And, and then being able to say specifically, here's an, an example of something that I would like, you know, a class or whatever it is. Right. Um, I believe it will help me bring even more value to my job. And by the way, I'm happy to give a presentation or share materials with the team. Nice. Right? So it's not just saying career development and then being quiet, right? Like really make your case. And they will say yes. Just to clarify, because full compensation is a great sort of term to have in our back pockets. You're saying if they lowball you, you ask for more salary, you do your damnedest to get that salary up, and you're just not getting where you need to go or not getting where you want them to go with base salary, you're saying, okay, let's talk about full compensation as in benefits, perks, other valuable assets to you that you care about, but that might not cost the company all that much money. Yeah? Right. And you should be asking for this regardless of the amount totally. that you get. So they, they may give you the even more than you've asked for, but you also then need to say, I'd like to discuss full compensation. Right. And listen, companies are happy to give this because it will hopefully mean that you stay at the company longer. Mm. And it is very expensive for them to lose you, even just losing you as an applicant, right? So yeah. if you end up walking away and saying, this isn't going to work for me, they now have to go and find somebody else and convince them. So just remember, you also have power here. You're on the same team. Right. You're on the same team. Put yourself in their shoes. They they want to make this work as well. It's just about being creative. And, and I like to define you know, compromises. Both people have to give up something. And both people have to get something. So there, you know, somebody's got to budge somewhere. And at the end of the day, if mm -hmm. they really can't do this for you, uh, and they say, "Well, we can revisit this in six months," you say, "Great, I'd like to put a time on the calendar three months from now to discuss it. I want to make sure that I'm on track. You know, I, I yeah. have a full understanding of of how you define success, how you measure success." 
Um, and you can always just ask why. Again, if totally. you keep getting no's, get more information from them. Totally. And it's not about you, again, demanding or calling them out. Or You can always say, I want to become a leader here. I want to grow. I'm excited about working here. Like This is why I'm asking questions um, so that I come in, you know, with a full understanding of how this company operates, you know, because I want to be a leader here. Totally. And what would you say to assuage the concerns of any of our listeners here who are like, oh, but if I ask for anything more, they might just rescind the offer. They might take it away. <laughs> Man, I have heard, I have heard that from like one or two people. This is not a company you want to work for. You know, the relationship goes right. both ways. Okay. And keep your, mm -hmm. you know, See how you feel during this whole experience of interviewing and negotiating. If it sort of feels like bait and switch or they're not responding or you don't – you know, right. if something feels off, it is off, okay? And the mm. relationship is not going to change. There there will be issues there if there were issues, you know, in the beginning. Um, and so keep that in mind. I mean, the strongest negotiators are honestly the ones who are mm -hmm. able and willing to walk away, yeah. which means got to have that safety net, got to have the savings – be interviewing elsewhere, have a side hustle, um, you know, and also really, really know your bottom line here because ultimately you may decide it is worth it for you to take lower salary because you will be gaining new skills or it's positioning right. you for a better job uh, or it's a company that looks good on your resume. So there are a lot of reasons to take a job and not just the money, yeah. but you need to be doing that you know, all that thinking and all that researching before you get into a situation where maybe they've caught you off guard a little bit. I think that's such an important point that we don't hear about in enough feminist circles because we're so busy like countering the the historical narrative around women and money saying, get your money, girl, and like hyping up women getting paid, ladies getting paid, that yeah. it's okay also to just normalize that you get to choose. Like if you want to transition careers and take a 50% pay cut like I did at some point when I started my business – that's okay too. And don't mm -hmm. let anyone bully you into making more or less, quite frankly. I, I It's funny you're saying that because our name is Ladies Get Paid. We are known for telling women, you know, get what you deserve. But when you go in there, right. you're not positioning it as what you deserve, okay? You're never saying that. And you also – I mean, here, here's a little exercise that I give people to figure out if the opportunity is worth it for them. Write down in a column all the things that the company gives you. It could be money. Hmm. Things that make it mm -hmm. an attractive deal for you, right? Maybe it's a, you know, short commute. Not that it matters <laughs> yeah. now because we're all just commuting from our, you know, bedrooms to our kitchens. Uh, but short commute, okay? That's one of them. Uh, another one is, um, yeah, again, pivoting, mm -hmm. right? So if this is a new industry, okay, you get to try new things. Um, you've heard amazing things about the company culture, okay? Then I compare that to my budget, you know, the things that I need to have in my life, right? The 50%, 30%, mm. 20%, 50% of your post-tax income, it's going to the things you need, okay? Roof over your head, head, cell phone, et cetera. Then 30% of the things that you want, right? And that could be going out to dinner. Uh, and then 20% to savings or paying off debt. Once you do that and compare it to the things that are perks or attractive about the company, mm. you can decide what sacrifices mm -hmm. you're willing to make. It's really, at the end of the day, a cost-benefit analysis. So you have to deeply know your values, mm -hmm. your goals for 
you know, the future. And also like, what do you, what's going to make you wake up in the morning and not regret your decision? Because I think too often we just immediately say yes to something because we're afraid to lose it. Um, Or we say yes to a lot of money, but it ends up, you know, being a really awful company culture or, you know, you're working 24 seven, which by the way, if you're working all the time and you have a big paycheck, how about you figure out what your hourly actually is? Well, you might be getting paid like $2 yeah. an hour, you know? So so it's also about your time. So again, I mean, this is why I love talking about salary negotiation because it is so much more than just money and it's so much more than just this yeah. year's salary. It, it's really about holistically, what are your values in your life and and what do you prioritize? Mm. And that is a personal a personal question. Right. Your personal risk assessment. I think it's uh it's an interesting thing to to remind us of because your risks will change over time. Your risk tolerance will change over time. I remember as a very scrappy entrepreneur in the very beginning when I had no no idea what the hell I was doing, <laughs> I sat down with a mentor of mine who said, well, let me tell you, I had just been negotiating with a, a potential employer who was looking to hire me, and I shared with them my five non-negotiables, my five must-haves. And you know what? They worked really hard. We went back and forth. We negotiated for a month. They were able to meet four out of five of them. And I said, awesome. And she goes, so I turned them down. <laughs> and I was like, <gasps> it was such a light bulb moment for me because I was like, oh, non-negotiables, like total lines in the sand. She knew exactly what she needed to make this move, not one she was going to regret. And I think it's Dominique Broadway, a friend and financial coach says, don't fear failure, fear regret. And I think of that, that mentor of mine who- Ooh, I got, I got chills. Ooh, Dominique, I will give you credit, but I am totally taking that line. <laughs> yeah, you should. It's a great line. And it's just a good reminder that only she can make that call because her- alternative was probably not that bad. My alternative, me sitting there listening to this woman tell me the story in like a hotel lobby in DC when I barely could pay rent with a roommate and like not a great apartment I was living in. I was like, it it was incomprehensible at the time. But now I, now I understand and respect the idea of if you really drill down to your must haves and they only meet four to five of them, walk or you will regret it. Claire, it has been such a delight speaking with you. I know our listeners are going to want to know more about you and your great work. You've got a book coming out in less than a month now, January 12. Tell us all about it. Oh my goodness. It's finally happening. Uh, Yes. So it is called, surprise, surprise, it's called (laughs) Ladies Get Paid. Um, And it it follows the stories of nine real women. Each one of them is facing a different professional challenge. And as I tell their story, I kind of stop along the way and I give advice. And at the end, and this is a part actually that I'm really proud of and I think differentiates the book, is the end is about how mm. do you make change at your company and how do you make change in your community? So after you figure out all the stuff about speaking up for yourself, how do you improve yeah. the system kind of back to what we talked about at the beginning? And so, yeah, there's Love an appendix it. of laws. Um, how do you how do you lobby elected officials? You know, everything from, you know, scripts of calling them or writing them or tweeting at them. So my hope is that it is all very, very tangible and can help you take the steps you need to improve your life and the life of, you know, all women. Congratulations. First of all, writing a book is no easy feat. And I'm so excited to get my hands on a copy because it really does sound like a a wonderful illustration of the philosophy I always express as you got to play the cards you've been dealt while you change the game, 
right? Ooh, also great. <laughs> Writing this down. Oh my God. <laughs> you gotta, that's an Emily Aries original, gotta say, but you've you've gotta, you know, play the shitty deck of cards that women have been dealt or women of color or people of color or whatever have been dealt, and then let's turn around and activate and do something about it. As a former political activist, by the way, it is a little bit mind-blowing to me over the past decade to just watch the, like, the normalization and pop culturization of activism happen, and it is Mm -hmm. so delightful. So, Claire, thanks so much for being here, for sharing your story, for sharing so many tips, and I can't wait for all of us to get your book on January 12th. Thank you so much for having me on one of the best podcast conversations I have ever had because it was – I mean, I got some good quotes out of this. I'm sure everybody <laughs> listening. If you were like me, you were writing the stuff down. Yeah, so right. I, le- I learned a lot from this and, you know, huge fan and everybody listening. Go get your book. Go get my book, ladiesgetpaid.com slash book. Uh, join Ladies Get Paid, by the way. Totally mm-hmm. free. So – ladiesgetpaid.com. Once you join, we're going to be adding you to our Slack group. We've got about 75,000 women all over the world um, and they're giving each other career advice. So sure, you can listen to me. I'm a career coach, but you can learn a ton from other people's stories. And and that's what I'm hoping we were giving people and, you know, would love everybody to, to take part. Awesome. Thanks so much, Claire. For more information and links to all of these great resources that Claire and I mentioned in today's conversation, head to bossedup.org slash episode 284. That's bossedup.org slash episode 284. And now it's time for this week's Boss Move of the Week. This week's Boss Move comes in from Lindsay, who writes in the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook, quote, I've been hustling on the job search networking on LinkedIn, and of course, using all the helpful advice from Bossed Up. And it's working. I've got an interview on Monday. Woohoo! Thank you, Emily, and team for all you do. Lindsay, thank you. We do what we do for you. We do what we do here at Bossed Up for stories like this one. So thank you for taking the moment to, to share in the Courage community where we are always championing other women to lift as we climb in the spirit, really, of the first Black Women's Association here in the U.S. that was established way back in 1896 who said, lift as we climb. That's what we do here. So Lindsay, congrats to all my job seekers out there who want to make the same thing happen for yourself. Head to bossedup.org slash job search. We have a free, comprehensive, step-by-step job search guide that is gold. It is truly like one of the most proudest achievements of our team this year. We worked our tails off to just write down and link to every other article and podcast that I've ever done related to the job search. And once you're finished with that, if you want to go even deeper into my step-by-step negotiation process... You won't want to miss the definitive guide to negotiating as a woman. It's a 2020 report that we published earlier this year. It's got a step-by-step process for asking for more, and it is available for free at bossedup.org slash negotiation. So head there for all the links to related posts and other podcasts, of which there are quite a few, about negotiation that we've tackled on the podcast here before. And now I'd love to hear from you. What did you think about today's conversation? Did you have as much fun as we did talking to one another and listening in? What is your take on the best way to handle the mid-interview salary question? Or how have you negotiated in the past? I'd love to hear from you in the Bossed Up Courage community, which is our free online community on Facebook. Request to join now via the link in today's show notes at bossedup.org slash episode 284. 
Until next time, keep bossing y'all in pursuit of your purpose and together we'll lift as we climb.